Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Hey, this morning, uh, I really am excited to share a message this morning that God's put in my heart for us. And uh, this morning, the message is called, Who's It For? Who's It For? And I'm gonna be reading, starting from the parable of the tenants. But this morning, I've got a slightly different take on it than what you might be used to hearing if you've been around church for a while. So uh, just be prepared that it's gonna take a slightly different approach than what you might be used to. But the parable of the tenants, reading from Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Now listen, this is Jesus speaking. Now listen to another story. A certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grapes, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. So the landowner sent a larger group of servants to collect for him, but the results were the same. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, surely they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmers saw the son coming, they said to one another, here comes the heir to the estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, dragged him out of the vineyard, and murdered him. When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asked, what do you think he will do with those farmers? The religious leaders replied, he will put the wicked men to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after he each harvest. Verse 43, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Who's it for? Anyone here know somebody who no matter where they are, they always get a prophecy? It's like there's a homing beacon on their head and the guest minister or the speaker is like, you, stand up. This is what the Lord says. As ministers, we have a joke. We call it a, that they were wearing their prophecy shirt that there's such a thing as a very brightly colored shirt that draws the preacher's eye and they just can't help but prophesy it. see, right now I can see every orange and yellow shirt in the room. So, you know, I have been known in Christchurch one night to prophesy over five people and they were all wearing yellow. So it's true. There is such a thing as a prophecy shirt. <laughs> um, but until I was about 28 or so, I hadn't really had any prophecies except for one. And you know, I really wanted prophecies. I mean, who doesn't, right? I mean, the Bible is the greatest prophecy all of us have ever got. God has prophesied to us all through this. But you know, sometimes it's nice that someone says, oh, you're really important, and this is what the Lord says to you. <clears throat> so I had one, and my one prophecy was this. The person had looked at me and got me to stand up, and they had said, the Lord says this. You are going to bear much fruit. I waited. And what else? Am I going to travel the world? 
Am I going to write books? Are people going to get healed? Uh, am I going to be an evangelist? What am I going to do? And nothing else came except the same thing. You are going to bear much fruit. And that was it. I was very puzzled. I wasn't thrilled with this prophecy. It didn't really mean much to me. Until a bit later on, I began to understand the concept of what we are here for and the fact that we are actually part of God's vineyard. You see, there is a biblical concept throughout Scripture that we are the planting of the Lord and that we dwell on earth in the Lord's vineyard. And so I want to talk about this parable today from that perspective that actually this is what we're here for, that we would bear fruit that that is what we're here to do. See, we're all called to bear fruit, and it's actually the fruit that really counts. See, the kingdom of heaven is like a vineyard. The Bible refers to it many times. In Matthew 20, 21, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. God's kingdom is the vineyard. We are the workers. Matthew 21, 28, there was a man, that's God the Father, who had two sons. He went to the first and he said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. God the Father's expectation is that we would be at work in his vineyard. See, what we're doing for God right now is like working in the vineyard and God has things that he's wanting us to do. We need to understand that this morning. He has an expectation on our lives. God has got expectations of us, it's not just your parents but it is the greatest parent of all, your Father God. He has an expectation. And He has an expectation of harvest. We're here in this vineyard and we're called to bring forth fruit. Well, what does that fruit mean? And, you know, just to boil it all down because you're saying, you know, you're gonna bear fruit. We're here to work in the vineyard. What, what kind of fruit are we talking about? Well, firstly, we're talking about a Christ-like character. We're talking about becoming more like Christ and who we are. We're talking about doing good works, good deeds that our light might shine before men, helping other people, being part of our community, being part of the answer, getting outside of these four walls and being Jesus' hand and feet, good works. Generosity and giving, that is a fruit of our lives. The praise of our lips, the way that we worship, the way that we lift up God, the praise that we bring to God, praiseworthy reports about other people. That is the fruit of our lives. And this is what God is wanting to bring forth in our lives, that we would see this kind of fruit grow daily in our lives. So let's have a look at this parable, because in this parable there are tenants, and the landowner God has planted a vineyard, and he has rented it out to the tenants. I want to put it to us today that we are the tenants. We are like the tenants, and God the landowner has planted the vineyard and given it to us, and then he has gone away. See, what we have here on earth is on loan. What we have here on earth is rented. See, it's not actually ours. We look at things, and it's just human nature to think things belong to us, but the truth is that nothing really belongs to us. It's all on loan. We're renting it from God. See, God gave each one of us gifts. He's given us each gifts to fulfill His purpose. He's gone and given us these gifts. And, you know, we can look at our lives and think, oh, I don't know what gifts I've got. More often than not, we can easily think of what we don't have. I mean, I can tell you right now what I don't have. 
they don't put me on a microphone to sing. <laughs> I never was part of the dance team. You won't see me doing TikTok or flossing. I go to the gym and I try to do the moves and I look like an overgrown pretzel. I tell you, it is not pretty. I can tell you straight away what I don't have. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little harder to say what I do have, but actually God has put those things in our lives and actually they're often staring us right in the face. We should be able to see what we can do or somebody else next to us will be able to say, you're good at that. You've got that gift from God in your life. And see, the tenants, they had very visible gifts. God had given them the vineyard, but then he had done some other things. He'd given them a wall. He had built a wall all the way around the vineyard. He'd done that so that when they produced a harvest, nobody could rob or steal it. He'd given the ability to keep what they produced. He'd given them the ability to be protected, to be defended, and God does the same in our lives. He sets up a hedge of protection when we live according to His ways, when we walk according to His word. He sets up His protection and His defense around our lives. See, we won't stumble because His angels will watch over us. Ministering angels will come to meet our needs. There is a wall that God has put around our lives. For the tenants, God dug a wine press. Now, why would he give them a wine press? Well, they're in a vineyard and they're growing grapes. So the grapes aren't going to be a whole lot of use without a way to bring forth the goodness. He gave them the ability to take the harvest and produce something from it. See, God gives us the ability with our gift to produce a harvest. See, our gift that God gives us has harvest attached to it. Whatever gift you have in your life is there to bring forth harvest. So you think maybe you've got a gift with people. That's there because that's going to bring forth harvest. Maybe you've got a business gift. That's there because you're going to bring forth harvest. Maybe you've got a gift at serving people, the gift of helps. That's there so you could bring forth a harvest. Maybe you've got a gift of being able to nurse people back to health. That's there because you've got a gift to bring forth harvest. Your gift is attached to your harvest. But what we have to remember is the harvest that we're going to produce is rented. It's not really ours. See, when we have these gifts, God put the wine press there. He expected them to use it. He didn't want the grapes to go to waste. Your gifts are not to go to waste. The gifts God has placed in your life, in your vineyard, are not there just to look pretty. They're not there so there can be waste, but we are to fan and to flame the gift of God that is in our lives, that it would spread and produce influence and produce a great harvest of fruitfulness, the witness of our lives, our testimony. This is part of the fruit of our lives. We need to fan into flame the gift God has given. He gave them a watchtower. He set up a watchtower so that they could keep watch for against any marauders and enemies, so that they could look out and see clearly what was happening. They could survey the land. See, God has given us a watchtower. He has given us a vision. Habakkuk says, write down the vision, make it plain. He says, I will stand at the tower. I will watch for the Lord. I will wait for the vision. Without the vision, what happens? The Bible says the people perish. See, all of us are called to stand watch on our lives, on the vineyard of our planting, on the purpose that Christ has given us, that the vision of what he has for our lives would come to pass, that no enemy would come against our vision, that we would not lose sight of why we are in this planting, but that we 
would survey all that the Lord has given us and continue to see the fruitfulness overflowing from it. We need to keep to our post and stand on the watchtower of vision. See, young people who've been at summer camp, God just gave you a vision. Don't just lie down and sleep for the next few days. Yes, sleep for a few days, but then get up and stand at your post. Get on that watchtower. Run with the vision that the Lord has put in your heart. And as a parent and as a pastor, I'm cheering you on and saying amen to what God placed as a vision in your heart during summer camp. You know, then the landowner, God, after he had prepared everything, see, he did it. He built and planted the vineyard. He dug and, pl- and did the wall. He built the watchtower. After he had built everything and prepared everything, he rented it out and he left. He left them to it. He gave it to the tenants. See, God is showing us that he didn't stay and micromanage. He wasn't a hard taskmaster watching over their daily movements with a clipboard. He didn't micromanage, but he entrusted them. See, God has entrusted each one of us. He's entrusted us with kingdom purpose, that his kingdom would come on earth as it does in heaven. He's entrusted us with gifts to bring forth harvest. He's entrusted us to bring and give him a return when he comes. He's entrusted us with gifts that we can produce harvest from that will benefit our lives and benefit the kingdom, but he has left us to do it. The Bible's very clear that Jesus has gone back to heaven, (laughs) but one day he will return again, our soon and coming king. Oh, that day will be glorious. The trumpet will sound, the dead will rise. We will be reunited with Christ. I could go on about that moment, but right now, right now he expects us to be working with the things that he has given us, and one day he will return. You know, the truth is, that uh, I've got to give you a little story just to have a little bit of fun because otherwise this is gonna be so challenging. You'll be like, man, Jillian is so serious. So I'm telling you right now that this is just so we can all have a moment of relaxation and laughter, and then I can really lay down what the Lord has said, okay? (laughs) So this is a little bit of the Jillian you know and love, okay, just for fun. (laughs) And hopefully John's not too uncomfortable with the story. Um, He's on the front row. Um, You see, The point of this little illustration is to say this, your gifts can get you into trouble sometimes. (laughs) Have you ever heard the saying that someone is generous to a fault? I think one of my gifts is generosity, and uh, I want to tell you what happened on a recent walk I did. I walked the Abel Tasman. I'm a humble person, but you can pause and just say that's amazing, okay? (laughs) That, That is a miracle in motion, literally. I dragged my way up and down those hills, and you know, I should have gone to suburban fitness in the lead up or something like that, but I didn't. So somehow we got up those hills, Ann Burroughs and Jackie Ford and all of us and the children, and we managed to drag everybody up those hills and down them. Four days, three nights. The nights were sheer hell. So <laughs> let's just say the accommodation was not what I'm used to. It wasn't very salubrious. So we walked across a swing bridge on the second day. Now the weather was not so good on the second day. We had glorious weather, praise the Lord. Thank God, there's there's my fruit of my praise to the Lord. 
The day that the weather was not so good, we crossed over the spring bridge and I'd gone ahead and I was that person that likes to jump on it and lean on it and I have no fear of heights, praise the Lord for that. Somehow I, I, I have no fear of heights. And um, so I was jumping on it, so everyone else waits until I've gone over. So I was over the bridge waiting for all the others who were a bit slower and just on the bridge. <laughs> and there was a guy sitting on the bank, just relaxing there. And so because you're out tramping and because we're a rise people and we're friendly and we make friends, yeah, we're, I was like, oh, hello, how are you? Um, what are you up to? And he was um, doing the walk on his own. And we got talking and then he said, I don't have anywhere to stay tonight. I'm not sure what I'm gonna do. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's bad weather. You know, you don't wanna be exposed in the elements tonight. You could get hypothermia. Um, that would be very bad. And then I said, oh, I know my gift of generosity was at work. My husband, John, couldn't come on the walk, but we've paid for a bunk bed for him. I know, you can have his bunk bed. And you can have somewhere to stay tonight. He's like, oh, really? Really? That would be amazing. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, when you get to the hut, you just pick any bed and you just put your bag on it and it's yours, you've claimed it. He's like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And I said, just say you're John Cameron, because it was gonna get a bit confusing, you know? The hut person comes around and checks who's there, that they're meant to be there. And I thought, well, rather than go through a convoluted process, I wasn't trying to lie, I'm just trying to speed things up. Um, I said, just say you're John Cameron and you're part of the Jackie Ford group. And he goes, I'm John Cameron. I'm John Cameron. I'm John Cameron, part of the Jackie Ford group. And right there, I knew this was uncomfortable. Now the first night that we'd stayed in the huts, they were bunk beds. And I'd had my own space, I had a window. <laughs> I had a glorious window and I could put my torch on it and I could put my face mask on it, you know, like the sleep thing to block out everybody else. And I could put the insect spray on it. Everything was on my window, I had my own space. So I was like, yeah, they'll just be like bunk beds, it's gonna be great. Um, we turned up at the hut and let's just say we got there very late not because of me, but maybe because of me a little bit. Uh, and we got there very late, so there wasn't many bunks left when we got there. So you just have to put your bag on any one. So I couldn't separate Jeremy and Jackie. They were, you know, they needed to stay together. And there was only one lone bunk in the other room. And so Jeremy and Jackie, out of the kindness of my heart, they stayed with the kids and I was in the room on my own. Well, walking back to camp that night, I suddenly said to Jackie, oh, out of all these 36 beds that are available, I said, wouldn't it be funny if he ended up next to me? Like, that would be so awkward. And we just laughed, because we thought, what's the, what's the chances? Not likely. And we're just joking. Well, I turned up in the night, and guess who was next to me? <laughs> Mariah style, like a little mattress, almost like spooning the person next to you. <laughs> right there in my grill was, I'm gonna be called John Cameron. <laughs> right there. And the cabins are hot, so we didn't have a shirt on, and the sleeping bag zipped. I'm panicking. I'm panicking. I zipped my sleeping bag. Hopefully no one leaves the church over the story, because it was very pure. I'm telling you now. I'm telling you now, no one can compare to John. Not even a shot, okay? So this is a totally pure story. And not a shot. And I zipped my sleeping bag up to my neck. I was sweating all night. <laughs> I turn and face the other way, which is the side I don't sleep on. I had not a minute of sleep that night. I tell you what, I was so uncomfortable. Sometimes our gifts can get us into trouble. 
Back to the tenants. Are you ready? See, the tenants, their gifts got them in trouble. And the reason was because they lost sight of why they had the gifts. And they lost sight of who the gifts were for. See, Jesus has given us everything that we need to be productive and effective. We have what we need, but we've been expected for it to result in fruit. And the fruit that was produced by the tenants, who did it belong to? Did it belong to them? No. The fruit that was produced by the tenants belonged to the landowner. It belonged to God, their father. But what happened is that in time, in the progression of time after the gift had been given and they had begun to use it, they lost sight of who the fruit belonged to. They lost sight over whose gift it was and whose they had been entrusted with. So when the landowner then sent back the servants, as he had said he was going to do, when the landowner sent back the servants to collect the fruit, the tenants refused to give it to him. They had lost sight of whose it was and who it was for. You know, the same thing can be true of us. Every gift that God gives us, it has harvest attached to it. Every gift that God gives us, it has harvest attached to it, but we can begin to think that the harvest is ours. We can begin to think that the gift is because we're somehow awesome. Look at me. We can think that the gift is there just for our benefit and fail to see that it was given for the benefit of the kingdom of God being established, that his will would come on earth as it is in heaven, that the fruit would overflow in our lives for his purpose, for his purpose to be established. You know, every gift that God gives us, we can claim it as our own, or we can give it back to him as worship. And I think that's why it's so powerful when an athlete, they score a try or they do something amazing in sports and then they stand and they point to heaven. That is not lip service. That is not religion. That is somebody who says, my gift is from heaven and I'm gonna acknowledge that it's for his glory. That is a powerful thing. And even the world stands up and takes notice of someone who's willing to return to God what God had given them. I wanna encourage us that we don't keep the gifts to benefit ourselves, but our gifts are to benefit God himself. You see, the vineyard, (coughs) what they did and what they had started to matter more than who they did it for. Our efforts can become our idol. Our harvest can become more important than who the harvest is for. They lost their worship and the vineyard was their idol. They didn't understand that true fulfillment lay, coming alive lay in not keeping it for themselves, but returning it to the one who had given it, returning it to their Father in heaven, returning it to the landowner. True fulfillment can only be found in that. You know, maybe there's some things in our lives that have become more important than returning to God. Maybe there are some things in our lives that have become like the vineyard and they've become more important than God. They've become like an idol that we've built this thing up that it's so somehow so precious and so important that it overrides the duty. It overrides the purpose. It overrides even God's expectation of us because my friends, he has an expectation that we would bear fruit. The Bible is very clear. We're here in his vineyard. We're here serving at his good pleasure. We're here for the pleasure of the king. We're here to please God our father and we do it when we bring him a return from his investment. See, we can use what God gives us sometimes though to reject him. This is the worst thing that the tenants did. 
This was the worst thing because it showed they had lost their worship. They took the watchtower, they took the wool, things that God had given them so that harvest would increase, so they would be protected, so their vision would remain clear, so they could see what they were doing. They took the very things that he had given them to keep him out, to reject his involvement, to reject his input. The watchtower they used to make sure that when he was sent to collect his return, they could destroy his coming. They could shut him out. The walls were a defensive barrier to his approach to their lives. You know, we might take the gifts that God has given us and suddenly we, we're walling up. We don't wanna give God his return. We don't, we don't wanna give God the glory for what he's doing in our lives. We don't wanna understand that he's actually the one that's blessed us, that this is all rented. Everything that we're doing, everything we've produced, everything we're here for, it's rented. But we can put up the walls. We can watch to keep God out. We can get defensive. We can get defensive and forget that we're actually here to be the servants. God had given them everything, but they used what he'd given them to reject him. We can't let our gifts or our vineyards become more important than our purpose. Head for the tenants. You know, there's a story that I've heard, and I heard it as a young person, and I've never forgotten it because I feel like it's just such a pressing story for us in, you know, in the world that we live in. There was a lighthouse that was established on the coast because boats kept getting shipwrecked. And, you know, people, sailors, even though there was the lighthouse there and storms, they would still get shipwrecked. And so people would go out and they would rescue them from the storm, they would rescue them from the surf, and they would bring them up out of the waters. And they would take them into the lighthouse. They would come into the lighthouse dripping wet, freezing cold, and they would cover them in a blanket, give them a hot chocolate, a hot drink, and comfort them and, and help them and give them clean clothes. And over time, there were a lot of people that they were rescuing that they were bringing into the lighthouse. Over time, these people, they wanted to do something in return for the fact their lives had been saved. And so they were so grateful. They brought a monetary gift. They brought and gave some money to the lighthouse so they could keep doing the good work that they were doing. Then the lighthouse committee, they got together because they needed to have a committee now that they had finance and money. And they're like, what are we gonna do with this money? And someone says, I know, we can put down carpet. Because wouldn't it be nice and cozy when the people come out of the sea? They can have the carpet, it'll be so much warmer and so much nicer. So everybody agreed, what a great idea. Let's lay down this carpet. They put down beautiful carpet. And you know what happened? They started bringing people out of the sea and then they were very dismayed because people were dripping salt water onto their carpet, ruining their pile. Salt water is very abrasive, very harsh, and they were very upset that now their carpet was being ruined. See, the carpet, the lighthouse had become an idol. They started to say, we'll just let them dry themselves off outside. We'll just let them dry themselves off there. We don't really want to rescue as many people because we're just ruining the carpet. The lighthouse had become an idol and they had lost sight of their purpose. It happens so easily over time. We cannot let anything in our lives become an idol that gets in the way of serving the purpose that God has for us. We're not here to build a plush life. We're not here to line places with carpet. We're not here to eat from the fruit of our return. We're here to serve the purpose that God has placed us in His vineyard for. My friends, you are in the planting of the Lord. Maybe you're an accountant. You're there to help people get their finances right. That is a gift that is to bring a return to God. Maybe you're a health professional. You're there for your gift to bring a return to God. That people 
people would experience a love and a care and a nurture that they don't experience elsewhere because you are a servant of Christ. Maybe you're a civil servant here serving our community, making our nation greater. You're there making a difference. You're there bringing a return to God because you have Christian values and morals that dictate the way that you handle yourself, the way that you handle the affairs, as it were, of state. See, in our vineyard and in our planting, we're here to bring a return to God. We can't let our career, our job, our business, our gifts, our children, our grandchildren become an idol where it's all about them and not about what our purpose is about. We serve them and we serve our purpose together. It goes hand in hand. It is not one without the other. The lighthouse is not there just to look pretty. It's there for a purpose in Jesus' name. We cannot lose sight of why we have what we have and who it's for. 1 John 2 says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. Do not love the world. Man, that's a bit hard, isn't it? That's very challenging. The praise of the world, the fame of the world, the accolades of the world, the boasting of what he has and does comes from the world. But the man who does the will of God will live forever. The will of God is our purpose. You know, we can act in our lives sometimes like these tenants without realizing. But the gifts that God has given us are to bring Christ into the world, not to keep him out. The gifts that God has given us are not for our benefit, but for Christ's benefit. Along the way, we get to eat of the harvest because the harvest, our gift is attached to our harvest. We do get to benefit. That's the goodness and faithfulness of God to us. But we are not to become consumers of all of the harvest. We're here to bring a return to God. See, a hospitality gift will bring Christ into the world. I love, um, you know, what... what um, dinner in has done. You know, we're going to have 10 meals, but every 10th meal, we're going to give it to the Arise Care storehouse so that someone in need would have a meal. That's talking about bringing Christ in through your gift. Business people in our church have been generous givers. They've used their business gift to bring Jesus in. See, we've given millions of dollars through these congregations. And you know what? The dollars that have given have resulted in lives being given lives being given to Christ because someone took their gift and brought Jesus in and didn't keep him out. Somebody allowed the gift to have a return. Look, you know, John has mentioned that this week, this week, tomorrow, oh my goodness, tomorrow, we break ground in Whangarei. Tomorrow, on a Friday, we take possession of land in Christchurch. This week, but that is because there have been kingdom-minded people who have used their gift and brought a return. They've brought a return and now the harvest is increasing. What God wants to do up and down this nation, building arcs and storehouses where many souls will be saved, where marriages will be restored, where people would find healing, where the fruit of our lives would overflow, the praise of our lips, people being saved. Our good deeds shining before men as a rise care begins to grow. We're going to be having a greater impact because of the generous people. See, as we bring our fruit, as we bring our return, the harvest does one thing. It increases and it increases and it expands because kingdom influence, when we fan it into flame, the gift of God. Oh my goodness, it's an unstoppable force of good in this world. If it's of God, it cannot be stopped in Jesus' name. And who knows that God is building His church up and down this nation and around the globe right now. Fungerate 
tomorrow, Christchurch on Friday, Carpeny in March, and who knows where the Lord will take us as we bring a return, as we understand that His goodness and His faithfulness has overflowed in our lives, we can bring it back as worship. We don't allow it to become an idol. We don't allow it to be the thing that we're living for, but we understand that as we bring the return, His blessing flows in even greater measure. It's a second wave. It's a second wave for Arise. We're just getting started. The Arise Center was the beginning, the very first building, but it's a second wave this year. Three buildings in one year. It begins, it begins, it begins in Jesus' name. Would you be willing to be part of this movement, this momentum, what God is doing across a rise in your life? It starts with us, it starts with you and I when we decide, I'm not gonna build a wall. I'm not gonna keep God out. I'm not here to defend something as my own when He gave it to me anyway. It's rented, it's on loan. I'm gonna bring a return to my King and I'm gonna lay down my life as worship. I'm gonna lay down my life as worship. See, God expects us to bear fruit. God has an expectation. He had an expectation of the tenants and He returned. He will return to us. He has an expectation of you, my friend. He has an expectation of me and He will return. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Where is my harvest? Where is my harvest? Are you producing new wine? Are you producing a river of overflow and blessing? Are you producing something that can age and mature and stand the test of time? Are you producing a vintage that in a hundred years there will be a legacy of overflow from the new wine in your life? What will be the harvest from our lives? God has always intended that we would bear fruit, always. Adam and Eve were placed in a garden. The expectation was be fruitful and multiply. Adam and Eve in the garden, the original job was to invest, to sow, to tend, to nurture, to plant, to keep investing, to see the cycle of seasons, to keep bringing forth harvest and blessing. But the temptation came to Adam and Eve to do the wrong thing with the fruit. The temptation came to the tenants to do the wrong thing with the fruit. Would we be willing to understand that the things of this world are the temptation, the things of this world, the fruit, the increase that our gift will bring? It's not there to serve us. It's there to serve God. It's there to serve Him and Him alone, that we would return the glory to Him, that we would be willing to let no idols stand in our way, that we would not let the vineyards dominate our hearts, but that He, the one who's coming, the one who's looking, the one who is good, the one who is faithful, that we would say, you are who I'm existing for. The purpose of God is what my life's about. When we wake up each morning, when we get out of bed each day, then we say, I'm here to bring a return. I'm here to raise up a harvest. I'm here to grow some good fruit in my life. I'm here to see kingdom established on earth as it is in heaven. I'm here for the praise of my lips, the good deeds of my life, the witness of my life. I'm here for there to be an overflow as new wine flows out of my life and it returns like a harvest back to Jesus Christ. Would everybody across every room stand right now? What will we do with what God has given us? What will we do with what God has given us? We cannot allow 
our purpose to shrink to ourselves. We cannot allow our gifts to become about ourselves. This life, it's rented. The kingdom of heaven is like a vineyard. Would you be willing today to tear down any idols, to tear down anything of this world that has got into your heart and got in the way of your saying, well, actually, I'm here for God's purpose. I'm not getting out of bed every day and going to work for my gain. I'm getting out of bed every day so that my life would be a kingdom fruit. My life would serve His. We're gonna sing and worship and then I'm gonna pray for us all, but why don't you make this your prayer that He could have it all. It's His anyway. Would we lay it down? Would we surrender, tear down the idols, tear down the walls, tear down the fear, tear down the worry, anything that makes us wanna withhold from God what's really His, tear it down and say, God, it's actually Yours. Have it all, Lord. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor Gillian Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at Gillian Cameron.